Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shiny man? Brentford beat Man City. Arsenal open up a five-point gap and will be top at Christmas. Roared everyone on Sky Sports yesterday. Well, for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the... Anyway, our World Cup is starting in six days, and yet this morning, the football world is agog at revelations that A, Manchester United has been run terribly for the last 10 years, and B, Cristiano Ronaldo has the self-awareness of a toddler. Hello and welcome to today's Second Half of the Football Podcast. Hello there, Ken. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It is a weird thing, though, isn't it? This is just so spectacularly ill-timed by Ronaldo. Uh, Such a spectacular misjudgment that it's hard to even believe it happened last (laughs) night. But a point I would definitely make off the bat is that Alejandro Garnacho's Look. L- thrilling last-minute goal for Man United to get yeah. full of blast yesterday uh, afternoon around 6.15pm was a real kick in the balls to this whole Pierce-Ronaldo uh, venture. Uh, well, I'm sure Pierce isn't particularly mind either way. Garn- we've seen Garnacho's come and go. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that it is a knife in Ronaldo's heart to see a man less than half his age uh, scoring the kind of goal Ronaldo can't score anymore because in order to score that goal, Garnacho had to run all the way around De Cordova Reed. I still don't really know how that happened. I think did did De Cordova Reed think think that is the goalkeeper going to get that? Is that going to go mm, out? Help is coming. Yeah, like I don't. I I sort of I can leave that and and Garnacho um, was in like a flash and scored that great goal. But obviously, uh, I mean, from Ronaldo's point of view, I'm sure he. He didn't do the interview after the game. Um, you know, he didn't realize it was going to be as badly. You know, just in terms of, it's a it's a great moment for United. It's a, mm. it's a it's a a massive high to end the you know first part of the season on. This guy looks really good, Garnacho. He looks like he's going to be big. 
you know, getting a last minute winner and uh, just improves everything, improves the whole situation, leaves everyone feeling good. And then suddenly Pierce. Ronaldo <laughs> 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 with his very good friend, Pierce. Yeah. Uh, and the quotes, I mean, so this interview is, is going to be out later this week and apparently it's a 90 minute job. 90 minutes. Yep. Can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> but um, what did he say? I'm sure everyone will have seen the, the main quotes, but betrayed. He, he's been betrayed uh, by Manchester United. And I, honestly, I would love to sit down with Ronaldo and ask him, what do you understand by the word? But what do you think that word means? <laughs> what what exactly, What in what sense have you been betrayed? Well, they bought him and now they're not playing him in the first team. The Manchester United first team is being selected. And the name of Cristiano Ronaldo is not on it, therefore betrayed. betrayed. Um, yeah, just the, you know, left wing, uh, Garnacho, uh, you know, right wing, whoever. Who, who plays right wing? Come <laughs> Anthony, on, I should know uh, this. Uh, uh, it was a Langa last night. Yeah. You know, uh, centre forward, Martial, Ronaldo, Anthony. betrayed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so he, he he's obviously what he's doing is I... Uh, He's kind of trying to burn the bridges. Mm. Um, he's uh, he's blowing up uh, the bridges in the hope that this will force them to let him go. But I mean, I think the thing about that is that they've known for ages that he wants to go. He was trying to leave in the summer, and it just seems like why you know it, there is a way for this to happen, but it involves Ronaldo making some concessions on his end. But mm. he seems to sort of want it all his way, you know, in terms of him saying, "Okay, you owe me this, but I'll take this because I want to leave, and you want me to go. So why don't we do that?" Mm. But that would that would require him uh, him to to reduce what he's owed. Yeah, we'll get into it further with Dion Fanning of the Currency and Rory Smith of the New York Times in just a few minutes. But before we begin, I have a very important message because for the very best, and I mean the very best, World Cup coverage, then please take a moment this week to consider joining the Second Captain's World Service. We will have Ken in Qatar. Ken spelled Q-E-N. He's changed it by Deepol for the entire tournament. Ken in Qatar. It, it, this it was something you better. mentioned earlier, earlier today, yeah. Karen. I hadn't heard anything about it and I don't yeah. really know if it works. Q-E-N. You're going with it anyway. Q-A-T-A-R. Yes, I'm, you're goddamn right. I'm going, going for it. It's going to be an extraordinary four weeks. We'll do it justice here. So go to secondcaptains.com forward slash join. And for just a five or a month plus VAT, all this will be yours. Um, the one other thing before we get into your report on sport, Ken, uh, about the Ronaldo thing, is like, we might as well get into the report on sport. Yeah. Obviously, there will be a lot of words spoken about Ronaldo and much of them kind of critical of him, obviously. But there have been so many bad moments in this Man United season. I mean, it's not like everything has gone right for for Manchester United in this season. It just so happens that Ronaldo has thrown his toys out of the pram at all of the good moments. His timing uh, so far in relation to all of these sort of pronounces, or pronounces whether through words or by actions, i.e. like just walking down the tunnel and refusing to come on uh, in games, they've all come at the the rare bright spots for Manchester United fans, the rare moments when you're like, actually, things are going broadly in the right direction. And if it wasn't for this guy, you know, pissing on the cornflakes, it would actually be, mm. uh, it would be, it would be even better. So that's kind of the one thing about, about Ronaldo's behavior this year is just how badly timed all of his, yeah. uh, uh, toy throwing. Has, but you know, I mean, has, has, say has the, 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 the low point of United season, they front loaded the misery. Mm. Ten Hag widely, wisely front loaded uh, the, the two worst results were the two first results. 
Um, and he could, what could he do after Brentford? He played in that game. You know, he was. If you look yeah. at the opening goal in that game, it's Ronaldo. I think getting beaten for a header that sort of creates that. The, mm. the oh, I think Ronaldo was looking for a free kick, and Brentford went yep. and, and scored. Um, you know, and then he's been left out. I mean, I, he doesn't care about. He's not looking, following the trajectory of how do the fans feel about Manchester United. This doesn't impinge on his consciousness mm. at all. I, I think you know he, he's he's not paying any attention to that. I have to say that I feel like say for instance, I mean okay, just just the quotes in case you haven't one of the few people in the world who haven't even seen this. I feel betrayed by the club. People, one or two people don't want me here, including the manager. I don't have respect for him. That's tonight because he doesn't show respect for me. If you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to have respect for you. Uh, on Rangnick, he, this guy is not even a coach. If you're not even a coach, how, how are you going to be the boss of Man United? I'd never even heard of him. That was him on, on Rangnick. Uh, on Rooney, I don't know why he criticizes me so badly. Probably because he finished his career. I'm still playing at a high level. I'm not going to say that I'm looking better than him, which is true. Um, <clears throat> and then he talked about how United. Everything was the same. Mm. He arrived expecting to find the club, you know, updated and new and actually was the same. And it was all old and useless. And, you know, everyone knows this is not a good club anymore and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I see Richard Keyes. I always turn first to him on Monday. Of course. Uh, I think we've lost all respect for you now, Ronnie. You've become a pampered, egotistical disgrace of a modern-day footballer whose every whim is catered for by an army of simpering hangers-on, too scared to tell you the truth. So let me repeat. <laughs> this is actually hilarious. Like, the idea that Cristiano Ronaldo has only recently become a pampered, self-obsessed uh, uh, egotist. I mean, the, uh, the Magnus Carlsen story you told us from a couple of months ago, oh, yeah. about like, and this was in, like, what, like 2014 or something? Well, Isco, it was still yeah. at a point where when Magnus Carlsen could plausibly claim Isco was his favourite Real Madrid player. So we're talking yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. And then the Real Madrid uh, PR person says, we'll that's great, that but again. yeah, but can you just say Ronaldo's your favourite Real, <laughs> Real Madrid player? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is Real Madrid, the biggest club in the world that literally didn't think Ronaldo could handle the fact that one of their celebrity uh, fans mm. preferred one player to him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's, 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 but you know, it's like that's the, the story actually. In the, I, we, we spoke to Josh Robinson a couple of weeks ago about his, his book, his book on Ronaldo and Messi. Mm. And the story that really leads, I mean, there's a good few stories about Ronaldo in terms of his, and, and it's one that we mentioned already, but just that, that story about how the guy from Sporting Lisbon, like the old fitness trainer from Sporting Lisbon, like drops in to visit him at Real Madrid years later, mm. you know. Um, oh, hey. You know, I, I, I'm here. I'm, I'm maybe Ronaldo would see me. You know, if he's got a minute, yeah, yeah, no, he'd be out to you. And then he comes out eventually after like two hours after everyone else because he's been do, getting all the treatments and mm. all the stuff. You know, after training, and then no sooner have, have they started talking than Ronaldo has whipped a piece of paper out of his pocket, wh which lists all his achievements. And he started, go he started going through like, look, you know, and I won this, and I won this, and yeah, and I think I was like, I know, <laughs> I, know I know. Where do you think I've been? I know who you are. Like, I've, I've actually been following your career with some pride, and now not a little concern, you know. <laughs> but what I mean is, this, there's something, you know, like, I, I actually shy back a little bit from this type of criticism of him mm. at this point. Because, I mean, on, on, in one sense, the only difference is that he's now a pampered egotistical disgrace of a modern-day footballer who doesn't score a goal yeah. a game anymore, yeah. right? That's, that's exactly That's the big like, problem. Like, the, the, the problem really is more that the ecosystem uh, actively encourages this type of behaviour up until the moment <laughs> that he can't, he and can't the way score goals that, the way that the world has behaved towards him, 
is the way the world behaves towards him is is insane and is consistently like I've again I, I this is just uh, Ken repeats things he said before in the podcast day, but uh, I, one of the things that made a big impression on me at the 2014 World Cup was seeing him come through the airport in Salvador after the Germany Portugal game. Germany beat Portugal four mm. 0 It was a disaster for Portugal. Um, and I was in the airport in Salvador with like loads of Mexicans for some reason who were going to, I think it was Fortaleza, you know, and there was all these Mexican fans and Ronaldo, uh, Portugal basically came through the airport, but they were in like a, another, they, they were in an adjacent sort of hall that had yes. been kind of sealed off from all the, yeah. the rabble. And so the players came walking through and, and walking ahead of everybody, miles ahead of everybody was Ronaldo, who I remember looked like a kind of a schoolboy in his, in his high, uh, his knee high um, compression socks mm. uh, and his, and his shorts where, and his school bag on his, on his back. And he comes, and obviously it's like, whoa, it's real. And so all the people just started behaving in the most insane way. Like, first of all, they were all kind of like, oh, you know, like Ronaldo, Ronaldo, like trying to get him basically to sort of, I don't know, give them a thumbs up for a photo existence. or whatever. Yeah. But he just, he just, he kind of glanced at them and kind of kept his head down and just kept walking with this kind of determined stride. And this, the crowd then, when they realized he wasn't going to kind of dance, wasn't going to do the dancing bear, they then just started abusing him. And like sl slamming on the window, you know, like like kids like tormenting an animal at the zoo, you know, yeah. like horrible kids, or uh, or um, and then chanting messy, messy, messy yeah. and all this kind of stuff, you know, just to sort of, and and so I was thought about that, like this is, I I just thought it was kind of mad. This is what he gets all the time, mm. you know, like this is this is what people are to him, like just this massive like. Uh, you know the, yeah. the way that fame, the, the, yeah. ex extreme fame of, yeah. the, of the nature that he has, he's literally the most famous person anyone who sees him has ever laid eyes on. Yeah, and the way that that makes people behave is so it's so distorting. Yeah, and but I mean that like that is the nature of celebrity and all the rest. Yeah, the, the idea of football is that you have ten teammates uh, and you have twenty teammates. You know that you have a dressing room where. Okay, everyone is very famous, and that there is an equality there. There is there is a a level of treatment that every player gets in there that, like, you can't expect uh, unbelievably rich footballers to expect people to treat them normally. You know, given the industry yeah. that they're in, but in a dressing room, you actually can expect that. You know, or at least in a the, in a broad sense that a football club will treat someone. Actually, you know, uh, on a par, but like that, Ronaldo has no interest in that. You no. know what I mean? Like, it, it's not I've been dropped. I, it's not he doesn't believe me as a player. He's I'm betrayed. Well, I've the story, betrayed. the story of his career has always been really about him, you know. Mm. And he has always been the best player for his team, and it's always been, you know, he's been doing these incredible things, and he has been above the other players. You can say there's supposed to be equality, and yeah, yeah there should be. And you know, someone like Christian Eriksen, I'm sure, is you know, he he's got like a. You can see how he is with his teammates. I mean, I, I mean, why did I think about Erickson? Most players are like this. Yeah, you know what I mean. But Ronaldo is is not like most players, and I feel as though the way the world has behaved around him. I mean, I don't mean to put the blame for his faults on the world, but I do feel as though the kind of way that he is now is has been a two way process. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and this kind of how can you really spend too much time thinking about? You know, other people having minds and being there. When when every time you see 
people. They behave like animals towards you. Yeah, they literally go out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's kind of, I don't know, you know. Yeah. But look, um, we'll talk again more about that. I mean, there was, there was some incredible stuff happened over the weekend. Obviously, the most amazing result was Brentford. Yeah. Um, making Manchester United's defeat to Brentford not look so bad because at least they <laughs> lost away and not at home like yeah. Man City managed to do. And, you know, there, this was, a, was actually a brilliant game. And Brentford could have won the game by more. Which is the, the great, like City just never really got a grip of the game. And there was a moment really early in the game when the ball sort of broke. Brentford was just defending and the ball broke. And Rico Henry sprinted up the field with the ball. Just like there was no doubt in his mind when he won the ball or the ball, you know, he got onto the ball 30 yards from his own goal line that he was going to go all the way to the other end of the field. Like it, there wasn't even, a, there was no decision at any point. There was no contemplation of any other thing that he might do. It was just like, here we go. And City were, were kind of rocked by this. You know, that, that resulted in a chance. I think Ederson ended up making a good save. Uh, Tony could have scored four goals. I mean, he scored two, yeah. and he really could have. He he he, he had, had a good chances. The the goal could have been his hat trick goal after fifteen minutes. Well, maybe. they had a chance at ninety nine minutes when it was already two yeah. one, which they only missed because it was like it was one of those. My God, there's three of us against one. Yeah. we have <laughs> to score. De we have to score, and they they were almost sort of too careful with what they did, and ended up it ended up getting cleared by De Bruyne on the line. Um, the whole approach was was interesting. I mean, they Pep referred to the long balls, which is exactly correct by him because there was more long long passes by Brentford mm. than in any other game by any other team this season. But they just said we're not even going to try to pass the ball through midfield. We're either going to run directly through there or we're going to uh, hit uh, Tony with a long ball and make sure we've got a bunch of players around him. And City just couldn't do anything about this. You know, I mean. It, the the problem with 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 doing that against City is that they will get the ball and then you, you won't get it back for three or four minutes and eventually it's just it just becomes giving them the ball. But on this occasion, Tony was just getting the better so much of of Laporte and Akanji or whoever City had up against him that um, that that Brentford kept winning the ball in good positions. And so, I mean, it's there's an obvious template there. I mean, because it neutralised City's. Mm. City's strengths. I mean, the City themselves didn't play that well. But as teams don't have not many teams have a guy as good that's as the problem. at this particular role. Most teams do not have a player who can actually do what he was doing. And uh, you know, if if they did, you know, the, those players have kind of <laughs> I don't want to say phased out, but like it's certainly been less of an emphasis, like the aerial game, um, in terms of what you can actually do with it than than all the other aspects of the game. So this is, this side of things have been neglected. City are obviously not adapted to play against it. Most of the time, they don't have to play against it. Yeah. And so on this occasion, it, it um, yeah, it was a great. I mean, obviously, then it, it creates this uh, fantastic situation for Arsenal. I know you're saying top of Christmas. They're actually top after 14 matches, though, which is a few matches less than you've usually, you've usually mm. about 18 or 19. And um, the team that was top after 14 games last season was Chelsea, amazingly. <laughs> who finished 19 points behind City, who they were one point ahead of after 14 games. And this the season before, who was leading the league? 2021, the COVID season. Oh, so not Liverpool. It was Liverpool. Was it? It was like, Liverpool. They were leading the league after 14 matches and then they proceeded to lose all their games for the next yeah. seven weeks. <laughs> I was wondering when exactly the collapse came. I thought it was maybe... They were five points ahead of Man City at that point. 
City, who had won only six out of thirteen, or six out of thirteen matches. Uh, eight, sorry, eight points ahead with thirteen, and then mm. City played the extra. So it was five points ahead, and then finished seventeen points behind. Mm. So City can turn not those quite things the, around. Yeah, not quite the Stonewall guarantee of success. That no, uh, City are a team that can that can do this, but they haven't hit that sort of form. I, mean, I was just looking at them, saying, you know, how good are they really compared to themselves? Mm. And the answer is not as good as. The, the 18 and 19 teams that won the league had scored more goals, had conceded far fewer goals at this mm. point than this current City team. And, you know, Haaland is like, oh, my God. You know, everyone's been like just, he's literally wowed the entire world. But City was scoring more goals in the, seven, in the 18 and 19 seasons. You know what I mean? So that, these are the sorts of things that Guardiola will be, will be pissed off about. Um, it sounded like you were about to start uh, throwing flowers at Arsenal there. And I know a lot of Arsenal fans would be concerned that you may have been sidetracked there there in some way. So I want to get you back on the road there, Ken, and ensure that you do what needs to be done to Arsenal. Top of Christmas. They're top of Christmas. No one... I mean, can, it's honestly like... It, you might dispute the significance it, of the statistic. <laughs> the Premier League basically turned into John Lewis or Tesco or someone. It suddenly just became all about Christmas yesterday to, <laughs> to like an extraordinary degree. I, I, couldn't get, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Arsenal are, are, are in a great position now. But, they, but, you know, again, because you've seen what's happened the last couple of seasons where City just get on a roll and suddenly nobody mm. can... It's just three points, three points, three points, three points and Arsenal get a draw and then they lose a game. They still have to play City twice. And so it kind of comes down to those games mm. because you so know it's still it's still in City's hands as we if move City into win the all the games then yeah. they're going to win the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know it's in it's in Arsenal's hands as well. Maybe it's even is it in Tottenham's hands? I'm not sure. It's, it is uh, Tottenham, by the way. I don't know how they managed to get away with the they 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 won four three. They're addicted to going two goals down yeah. now and suffering. They're like oh, well was, this time they went a goal down three times. Yeah, no, they did. Were they not three one down at one point? Well, maybe, maybe. No, it was sorry. two all, then three two. So three, they two, just two. went down. It went a goal down three times, rather. Yes. But they, um, the first goal, the Kane goal. Well, how how was that allowed? You started talking to, talking about Spurs again, like you're refusing to talk about Arsenal. It's actually unbelievable. No, 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 no. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about. I'm not. not, not that's not true. But it, <laughs> I, I was about to make a point, which I'm sure Arsenal. Listeners will yes. agree with it. I don't know how that goes. Still. Oh, the first goal, outrageous. He like, literally rugby tackles they not la- Messi into his net they and pinned him, pinned yeah. him into his net yeah. like, like a dolphin <laughs> in a tuna net. And suddenly, the, and, and suddenly Kane just kicks it in and we're all supposed to say that's, that's fine. Mm. Well, this is, you know... Captain England, on, or yeah. Captain of England, Ken. <laughs> I, just, I just did what you always do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, and I mean, listen, course, it's a World Cup week. Yeah. The World Cup is starting... England's captain needs a goal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Samuel Nunez, uh, I, I'm getting a lot of Twitter abuse from Liverpool fans uh, who, who, some, who DM me to tell me what, <laughs> you know. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, to say, interesting choice. Uh, you know, how can you... Uh, is it you know, like, is that out of concern yourself? for you that they don't want, they, they don't want their own followers to see just how terribly they're, they're about to own you in a DM? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I don't really mind, but um, it, it, it appears that I've I've set myself up as uh, I, I wrote Darwin Nunez off. Mm. It appears that it appears that people now. Did I do that? I don't think I, I, you expressed a lot of doubts about his ability as a Premier League footballer. I think I was a little. I was, I was intrigued, but by, by some of what I was seeing. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, you did. I, I. Did I, I write him off? Though? I would say that, that I use I use the word I use four little, little four letter word. Yips. 
Yips. The word was yips. Mm. And what would you say about yips? Is that a permanent? Yeah, that's reflection? a temporary scenario. Yeah. It's a temporary scenario. Mm. So, Seven um, goals and an assist in his last 10 games. Is that, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I saw the I yeah. saw the the, uh, the comparisons with Haaland have come roaring back. Mm. Someone was saying uh, seven n- non-penalty goals since October 16th or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever date it was that Haaland... <laughs> the the did, day so. after Haaland's last hat-trick. And, yeah, <laughs> and Nunez, uh, Nunez has seven and Haaland has only got one since that date. So all I'm saying, he's on pace to pass Haaland out around mm. March. <laughs> uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see how that one uh, pans out. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Smith is on the line. How are you doing, Rory? I'm all right. How are you? And here with us in studio is Dion Fanning. How are you doing? Hey, Ken. How's it going? Very well. Now, it was, um, I mean, it's, a, it's the last weekend of the Premier League uh, until after Christmas. Uh, and it was a great weekend, but we have to start by talking about someone who didn't even play. <laughs> and I'm actually unsure where to even start with this Ronaldo interview because, like, what, what more is there to be said? At this point, I mean, it, it's an explosive interview. It's a blast, but like, does it? What does it change, Dion? It doesn't change anything. It's an explosive interview. It's true, but it's also managed to be an explosive interview, which doesn't tell us anything that we didn't know already. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, some of the stuff seems to be only a shock to somebody as self-obsessed and narcissistic as Ronaldo. You know, he, like he has to kind of gently break it to Piers Morgan that there were people at the club who didn't want him around. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm going to shock you now with this information. And uh, we know that. Yeah. We, Although they didn't you know, let him go. I mean, he, he... Yeah, they didn't let him. But like at the same time, you can tell that, you can tell that by, by as, as it's unfo- unfolded this season that there are people that 
would be happier for him to to uh, to not be there. Yeah. Um, like he, he seemed to do a bit of a, a PR exercise by I think trying to you know align himself with the supporters who feel that things have just uh, there's been a rot at the club you know for ten years by saying that nothing has changed. But unfortunately, this seemed to lead him down a road of actually. And, and it, you know, criticizing the fact that the chefs were still the same as they were when he when he left the club, and then he had to kind of really realize. Even Ronaldo realized that actually <laughs> that's good. That, that it's, that, that's, yeah, that's it's a good, nice thing about the, the, a nice touch. The, about the, it. the gear should be better. They should have a new. They should have new ovens. They should have all you know technology in the kitchen. I was kind of interested in that technology, technology and infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. It's it's all lacking. But I mean, in in that sense, I suppose he echoes a lot of uh, complaints that everybody has. Well, Manchester United fans have been making consistently about the Glazers' lack of investment in the, you know, the, there was a bit of but, truth mixed in. With but the, the, well, the truth, the truth was mixed in. But the greatest uh, emblem of Manchester United's failure to progress was sitting opposite Piers Morgan doing the interview. Yeah, because he's back at the club. Mm. Like that was the failure. And again, this idea of, of the of the three coaches he he worked under, the only one he he, he speaks fondly of is Solskjaer. Mm. Um, tells you everything because when it was being run as a theme park for the old Manchester United and the Manchester United way and they weren't parking in Alec Ferguson's car park spot and they were visiting the cliff and all this kind of stuff that was kind of Ronaldo was happy enough with that in in his own way and Mm. he's only there because of their failure to move on and if Eric Ten Hag had been there a year ago would that have happened? I, I really doubt it. Rory, what did you make of it? Is this a, a pure masterstroke by Ronaldo? Uh, n- not so much. No, I think I agree with Dion. I'm not sure that, that there's anything particularly new in it. I think some of it is slightly, feels slightly embittered, slightly more personal than, than maybe we'd realised. But the thing that really struck me was was the strangeness of seeing Ronaldo, who is you know probably one of the, the two most famous footballers who've ever lived talking to Piers Morgan, who admittedly, like, he obviously isn't everyone's cup of tea, but he's he's a major kind of social presence, millions and millions of followers on Twitter and stuff. But on a TV channel that I think is called Talk TV, mm. which I don't know how to receive, and I'm guessing the vast majority of people in Britain don't know how to receive either. Never heard and, of YouTube.com, Rory? Well, this is it. This is what I think is really interesting about it, that I suspect that the reason that Ronaldo's PR people have gone to him and said, look... We should do this interview with Piers Morden, which I'm guessing Piers Morden solicited, oh, yeah. isn't because lots of people will actually watch it, but it's because they will see millions and millions and millions of people will see the the three or four sentences that matter. Then this hasn't been done. You know, he's not sat down with CNN for a bid heart to heart or, you know, NBC or, or Sky or BT okay. or whatever. He's he's not he's not gone out and, and he doesn't want a sort of in-depth interview. What he it's a 90-minute interview, apparently. But he doesn't want people to see 90 minutes. It's, it's, it's not being done to get people to see 90 minutes. It's being done because they know that certain clips of it, four, five, six clips of it, will go viral straight away. And I think that in itself is quite interesting, that Ronaldo doesn't really want to explain himself. He doesn't necessarily want to have um, his ideas challenged or, or to kind of get his kind of like explore the situation he wants to get his message across in a way that will be presented effectively unchallenged and that's not because Piers Morden won't challenge him who knows in the 90 minutes maybe Piers Morden really hauls him over the coals I don't know but what but I think it's fascinating that they've done it with an outlet that is exclusively designed to get people to see 
30 second minute long clips rather than the full 90 minute Farago. And that in itself, I think is quite just, just really struck me that it's, it's so strange because he is, you know, to any broadcaster in the world and say, Cristiano Ronaldo wants to talk to you. Yeah. Th- that broad, bro- that broadcaster will say yes. And yet he's gone to what is ultimately a relatively minor channel in, in a market that doesn't really matter particularly because he's not going to play for another English club. It's not, it, you know, it's, it just sort of indicates to me, the shifting landscape of the of the of the global media. Well, I mean, he's, he he follows Kanye West, uh, who was talking to Pierce recently. Jordan Peterson was on Pierce uh, quite recently, so you know he's, he's. This is this is interesting company to be keeping. Yeah, he's had a few he's had a few big interviews in, in the last little while. But if it, by your rationale, then um, the key. Uh, sort of takeaways from this interview are probably already out, you know. Yeah. So, so the what what did he actually say? He said, uh, "I didn't even know who Ralph Rangnick is. He's that guy's not even a coach." Uh, he said, "I don't respect Eric Ten Hag," which is, I mean, that that is probably of all the things I've seen from the interview that that is probably the most. Um, I mean, the most final in the sense, okay, <clears throat> we started off saying, what does it really change? What is there, is there anything here we didn't already know? And there isn't much we didn't already know. We kind of knew he hated the situation and wanted out. I mean, he tried to leave the club in the summer and he's been sulking the, the entire season. But the fact that he's now said to Pierce Morgan, I don't respect Eric Ten Hag, surely means that's it for him there now. Yeah, I would have thought so. But the problem in January is the same problem as he had in the summer, that that there's no market for Cristiano Ronaldo, certainly not on the sort of money that he would expect. So I think the closest he came to leaving in the summer was for Sporting Lisbon, which feels like the natural kind of end point of his career. It has a romantic arc. I think he he would come out of it quite well if he spent the last year or two of his career back at the club where it all started. You can really sell that story. And by all accounts, Sporting basically said they they didn't really fancy it they that it was it was a massive financial commitment it would reshape it would define the way they played it it kind of changes the project that Ruben Amarim the coaches has been building and they they kind of got cold feet rather than Ronaldo so I, I don't quite know where Ronaldo goes you know the a lot of the kind of the escape routes have disappeared for, for players of that of that size and that stature because there's no you know, there's no Russia there's there's no China Turkey, I think, would would really struggle to. There'd be very few clubs in Turkey who could who could meet his wages, and it also feels a, it's a little bit budget going to Turkey. Do you know what I mean? It's not something necessarily. If you if you go to China, you can you can sell it as I'm trying to conquer this new, this brave new world. If you go to Turkey, it's it's very obvious what you're doing, and I'd, I think for various reasons, Ronaldo probably isn't going to go to MLS. So I'm not quite sure where Cristiano Ronaldo pitches up, to be honest. Well, I wonder if you could see, I know initially the, the Champions League was part of his thinking, but and it's almost an extension of doing an interview with Piers Morgan, because I agree with you, Rory, about like, what it says about him, but it also tells you, again, how important that, uh, that I don't want to quite say sycophantic, because we haven't seen the, we haven't seen the interview, but the, having somebody who is clearly like in 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 Cristiano Ronaldo's corner and is a- adoring of the Cristiano Ronaldo myth mm. how important that is to him yeah. and 
Piers Morgan clearly, you're reading the piece that Piers Morgan wrote about this, you know, they've been in contact and they've... Uh, I text him all the time. Text all we, time. we text each other, yeah. but I'd say Piers Morgan probably sends most of the text. Yeah, tell yeah. them how yeah, yeah. magnificent he is. And, you know, we've seen it with the, the dwindling, like the kind of, you know, like the, like the back to the future picture of, of people are, you know, disappearing, like as he refuses to shake hands with various <laughs> yeah. members of the Sky panel, you know, yeah. one week it's uh, <laughs> Carragher, one week it's, it's Gary Neville. So, like, it is, his world is shrinking because of his demand for worship. Mm. So I think that could be what happens with his, his next move as well. And so then somewhere like Saudi Arabia or wherever comes into play because it's where can I go where I will be loved rather than where but, can I go where the, I will get Champions League football. You see, as you were saying that, Dion, I, I was kind of thinking, right, well, what you need to look out for then is who is football's equivalent of Piers Morgan? And, and the answer to that question Piers is Jose Mourinho. Oh, Jose. <laughs> and you, I, don't, I, I can't remember exactly how the relationship between those two stands at the moment. You always hear various bits of one of them resents the other or something. Is it Jose and Ronaldo or Jose and Piers? Jose and Ronaldo. Jose and Piers, I imagine, are very close and text each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, you, a club like Roma, in a previous world, a player in Ronaldo's position, and to be fair, there's no direct parallel, because I don't think we've ever seen a player whose peak has lasted as long as Messi and Ronaldo's. That's, that, that has never happened before. Um, but a player in Ronaldo's position would go to like a Roma or a Valencia and they to a club that is prepared to build the team around them where they can kind of age gracefully and they still have that sense of playing in a big stadium on you know on a big stage for a big club they can they can compete for honors they might even get to play in the champions league you wonder whether you know mendez is connected at those two clubs at valencia and at roma those are the natural homes for someone like ronaldo but it involves him accepting a degradation in status and it, it certainly accepting a wage cut and it's whether he's he's able to get over those two obstacles so i saudi i suppose is the one place that he might be able to to go and see out Saudi or Qatar, I suppose, are the two countries where he could go and see out kind of his final years in relative anonymity and just get a load of money. But if he wants to keep competing, if he wants to at least create the illusion that he is still a relevant factor, he probably has to go to kind of a second tier European club. He might just stay in Qatar, Qatar yeah. never come back. Yeah, he could just stop in Qatar, yeah. to be fair, yeah. Um, what do you, just to finish on this, do you think, how do you think this is actually going to end then? In, in, if, if it's January, what do they do? Is it worth simply paying him off and saying, look, we actually don't care what you do, you're no longer our problem now? If he feels so betrayed, Ronaldo probably should say to United, let's just cancel the contract unilaterally. If, that's his, if that is genuinely what he wants and he's not interested in the money at all, mm. he should just cancel his contract. He oh. has, Cristiano Ronaldo has enough money. And I don't generally advocate for players walking away from money that they're owed, but in this case, yeah. you sort of think, well, if it's that bad, just, just walk away. Yeah, I think that's that would would uh, be the, the obvious way of doing it. It means he doesn't even have to deal with uh, a kind of awkward couple of weeks around Christmas, uh, yeah. where he'd have to be back. And well, you know, take, you know, he could be back. He could be he could be back in in two. You know, have to be back in th two and a half weeks or three weeks if if Portugal you know got knocked out in the first round. It might be. Uh, you know, They've uh, got a difficult group. Yeah, it's Uruguay, Ghana, and South Korea. So there's every chance of them getting knocked out in the first round. I think. And then he's back, you know, for an, uh, three uncomfortable weeks with uh, Eric Ten Hag. So maybe uh, it is just a question of looking to cancel the contract. Yeah. Well, I think that's the obvious thing from from our <coughs> point of view. It may not be so obvious from Ronaldo's point of view that that's what he should do because he seems to um, often not. <laughs> Have, comes to the same conclusions as other people about like uh, the likely how certain behaviours will be received. You know, he's still well, that's a, but that's yeah. And again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. That is the 
that is what's left of Ronaldo. Mm. The, the 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 belief in in Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you Ronaldo. feel sorry for him? Do I feel sorry for him? Because he's trapped in this kind of what's the word? I mean, the first word that came to my mind is crazy. I don't use that word. Um, he's trapped in this very like hubristic, isn't this, it? The mindset is not like. Do you see what he said about Rooney? Yeah, well, that's now very. That, that was that's pure. Just, that was very Trumpian. But that it's not. Really but Trumpian. it's not like something a kind of a, a normal person no, would say. Like right. you know, in the sense, it's it's like, oh, I'm better looking than Wayne Rooney. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a very Trump, that's what You're like Donald 37 Trump years say. old. Yeah. It's, so so I don't. I, well, I, hang on, hang on. Is Donald Trump better looking than Wayne Rooney? I don't know if that's well, no, true. Donald Trump would say that he, he would is. say that he is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, OK, yeah. Uh, he, would, uh, he would say that kind of thing. But I think he may, I, may also... I do that. feel sorry for him because I do... I, mean, I also think he has he has gone through incredible hardship in the, in the you know, personally in the last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because it's Ronaldo, it seems to be viewed... There's, a, there's, a, there's again, because of that, that personality he has, those things don't seem to be as... Uh, foremost in people's thoughts as they would be with somebody else which is uh and you know there and there you have to have some sympathy for somebody who's gone through that and also has as you say developed this kind this 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 personality that is you know when you see him being interviewed and you hear him talking and it's it's such a he's such a peculiar he is such a peculiar mm-hmm. create like creation practically at this stage yeah. that uh it's um it's 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 strange looking at him, and then you do feel there is there. You have to have some kind of sympathy for what he's put himself in, but at the same time, it is the, it is that thing that is left. He's always had this, and I remember it's funny reading the Rooney thing. I remember that story about uh, towards the end of his time, first time at United, and Rooney was doing. I think it was around the. Uh, Munich. It was was it the fiftieth. Yeah, I think I remember the story yeah. where he was doing some pressing game. Ro- Ronaldo sticks his head. Yeah, Rooney was doing it, and Ronaldo had done his, and Rooney was doing his, and Ronaldo stuck his head in, and then when nothing happened, he started just banging on the window furiously, saying, "Fin, you know, finish hurry it, up. hurry up!" Yeah. And again, everybody everybody overlooked that. Nobody says anything because it's it's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. That would have been the 50th anniversary of Munich, 2008. 2008. So everyone is like, you know, we're not going to do anything to upset Cristiano Ronaldo. And then there comes a time when nobody really wants to put up with this stuff. And you probably have a choice then. Do you somehow modify your behaviours if you're capable of doing that? Or do you just keep seek? And again, you know, the... the the, the clips of ignoring Neville and, and things like that are kind of revealing of that because it's like rather than saying, OK, I'm now going to kind of accept that I've reached a stage of my career where there are valid criticisms yeah. to be made of me, I'm actually, no, I'm going to pursue, I'm going to take another turn. And again, this is Trumpian as well. Like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Trump refusing to <laughs> disown anybody, you know, who, who shows any fondness for him. Yeah. You know, Although he walked out on a, of a Pierce interview, <laughs> do you not think as well that, that even even the like the res- the focus on respect is just ve- is very puerile? It feels like the sort of thing that a thirty seven year old incredibly successful person probably shouldn't be banging on about quite as much. Like yeah. that, the ultimate kind of currency in in Ronaldo's mind and in his world is respect. And yeah. the sense I got from that clip, and again, we don't know the full context of the interview, but was that he kind of doesn't respect Ten Hag because ten, he feels like Ten Hag doesn't respect Well, he said, him, that, he said that I don't get any respect, so I'm not going to mm. give him any respect. It's, I mean, that, that's the logic of a child. And there are, 
there's lots and lots of giveaways that just sort of suggest that Ronaldo, because he's been so famous for so long, because he's surrounded by yes men, because he, he, you know, his every whim has always been attended to, because everyone has indulged him. There is a kind of unformedness to Ronaldo, where he's not, he's not like a proper adult. I think that 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 comes through quite a lot with Ronaldo. There's a lot of kind of stroppiness about him. Mm. But the thing, the other thing that I think is really important is that what Ronaldo's been through. The way it's 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 not even mentioned. I think it's probably not mentioned. A lot of people find it hard to to contemplate. But you, th- there should probably be quite a lot of leeway for quite a lot of his behaviour since that point, yeah. from both the club and externally, because that is. I mean, he's li- he's lived through a complete nightmare. And Dion's right. It is just kind of like, well, it's Ronaldo, so yeah, all right, we'll we'll mention it, but it doesn't it doesn't it's not sort of factored into how we discuss him at, at any point, and I, that feels a little bit harsh to me. Yeah, it is unfair. Well, uh, he will be. We will uh, eagerly wait the ninety minutes of Pierce Ronaldo, which is broadcast later this week. Um, in terms of the football that actually happened, one of the interesting games was the one at Newcastle, and this was a really bitterly contested game, as though Chelsea, who lost the game, um, felt sense that there was more at stake than just the points. That this was a kind of, and I've I've had this impression in a couple of Newcastle games this season. The one at Anfield, for, for example, which they ended up losing, was it kind of felt like there's there's a lot more going on here. You know, we're we're sort of the rising club now. We're kind of trying. We're actually going to push you people out of you know the the knock you off your perch. Uh, let's say there was a bit of that going on, um, and I have to start by asking uh, Rory Eddie Howe, is he doing a great job, or is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia doing a great job? <laughs> Well, both. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Like, who's doing the better I, job, Roy? Who's doing the better job? I, I think it would be difficult for Newcastle to be in third if they hadn't spent two hundred million pounds on players. I think that is that is the way that I'd maybe um, characterise that. Howe has done a really good job with the players that he has been uh, bequeathed, and he has also the other thing I think that's really really impressive about Howe is that he he seems to have kind of addressed a lot of the weaknesses in his own coaching that were fairly obvious through, throughout his time at Bournemouth. Like what Eddie Howe did at Bournemouth was spectacular and really impressive, but there was always that sense that his teams were really, were, were much better with the ball than they were without it, that they were quite easy to play through, that they were, they were kind of nice opponents. That is, has all gone out of the window at Newcastle. And I think how, while he was out of work, did a lot of those things that always sound a little bit like jollies to me, but apparently coaches think they're really important. You know, he went to Italy to watch Italian teams train defensively. He went and watched Diego Simeone's team. He went and watched Atletico Madrid train for three days to work out what they were doing defensively. He sought advice and opinions to try and improve the, I guess, the the flaws in his own coaching. And he deserves credit for that because what he has done is really impressive. But his attempt to pretend that the, the money is not relevant was a very very thin, but also I don't I don't really understand why you'd, you'd even try. Like obviously you need to spend a lot of money to do it. He doesn't have to go into the morality of being a state owned club, but you know it, it feels like a. I mean even Guardiola will say, I've got amazing players. Even Pep has the kind of self awareness to think, all right, you know I better at least acknowledge that. Um, whereas trying to dismiss it and pretend that this is some sort of underdog fairy tale actually diminishes the extent to which Newcastle, this season at least, still is a bit of an underdog story. You, you, do you feel it as an underdog story, Dan? Are you thinking this is like 95, 96 or 93, 94 all over again, seeing this this uh, rampant young Newcastle team? No, but I do think it's probably happened quicker than I anticipated. I think it, 
and again, it is very early and there's a lot of reasons uh, the failures of, of other clubs, including Liverpool and Chelsea, um, obviously contributing to the fact that Newcastle are where they are. Um, so there is there is a sense that it is happening at a, at a, at a pace that is, is a bit quicker with, you know, Newcastle have spent a lot of money, but they also haven't got to that stage where, like, next summer... The players you would expecting be expecting them to to sign would be the players that are really going to make you think. Okay, then now they're now they're spending. You money. mean it won't be Mbappe and Bellingham? It'll be James Madison and. Well, yeah, well, yeah, just just in the next stage of it. Whereas now there there is a combination of the two. They obviously signed some very good players, but they've also got and Eddie Howe has got more out of of the players. That 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 were there. Don't you think that that has a lot to do with the with the overall sort of picture of what's happening at the club? You know, in the sense that suddenly Newcastle is a club to be at if you're a player. Whereas previously it was when you know they're owned by Mike Ashley and, and managed by Steve Bruce. This is a place you want to escape from. Like the <laughs> the motivation for playing well is maybe somebody will save me. Whereas now it's like, well, you know, this uh, I could have a really big career at this club. I could make a lot of money, win a lot of stuff. You know, and 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 that is surely. A big motivation for for players. It is, but I think you, and I don't want to sound like I'm defending Eddie Howe to the hilt. There's plenty of people who do that already. But I think the other, the flip side of that is that when you get a big investment into a club, as 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 you've had at Newcastle, is that a lot of the players know that that journey will not necessarily include them. Mm. So you, I think the test for a manager, more than a coach, but a manager, is to persuade the players that they to kind of persuade the players that they might have a long-term career at the club, that they might be able to, as Dion says, like fulfil all their dreams and ambitions and wishes at that club, rather than allowing them to wonder if perhaps next summer James Madison might, might arrive and take their place. And I think that is something that Howe has, has managed quite effectively. And in this, even in the circumstances and with all the kind of queries and quibbles about kind of exactly what it, the nature of the project at Newcastle. I think you can give him credit for the way he has been able to kind of galvanise the team behind that that sense of, right, this is exciting rather than this is going to be really exciting but for better players than you lot. What do you think of the situation then of, of um, Graham Potter, who started well, uh, had a decent unbeaten run, and has now taken two points from his last five league games and only scored two goals in the five and lost the last three and also lost the City in the league. It's getting a bit boring at this stage. It's getting... They need to really roll out those uh, pieces again from when he was appointed about what a deep thinker he is. But he is, though, isn't he? He is, is he, yeah. I, I think, is he too deep a thinker for Chelsea? And I don't I don't mean that to sound insulting don't Chelsea, but what I mean is Chelsea, when I look at them, the managers who've been successful there, or most successful, are these charismatic lion tamer managers. And, you know, Mourinho, obviously, Conte, you know, Ancelotti, um, you know, Hullet and Vialli were kind of star <coughs> managers, you know. Whereas the, the more... Coachy type managers, AVB, Henry Villas Boas, Benitez. I mean, Benitez was complicated by other, by other things, and and maybe now Potter just didn't let let's say capture the imagination of the Stanford. Well, Bridge. yeah, I guess the only again the difference was that they were working under a different regime as well, where you probably not only needed to capture the attention of the Chelsea crowd, you needed to capture the uh, 
attention of Roman Abramovich. And t- you don't think Todd Bowley has well, a short attention span? Well, I, I, I would, <laughs> if I was, you know, if I was to really put a pin, pin in my collar and ask, does Todd Bowley have a short attention span? I would say yes. Yeah. But there is still the possibility that he doesn't. And I, he, he presumably, now it is, a, it is a bit of a presumption given the way he's operated since the summer. He presumably knew what he was getting with Potter. Um, and it isn't, it was never going to be exciting. Uh, like that, that's the thing. It was never going to be one of those, you know, there, there, there's no, there is no uh, show business yeah. to Graham Potter. And maybe Chelsea think they can get that somewhere else. But, you know, you look at Bowley trying to sign Ronaldo, those kind of things. Like yeah. there is clearly, there is a part of him that is, is still drawn to and motivated by something something of you know of of the business called show and yeah, you know yeah. and Graham Potter is is not that person he's a person that you know you really want in your corner if you're kind of getting buying some kind of pension scheme. Well, he could be a kind of a, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that and and he, he wouldn't really I feel a bit bad admitting this but like he wouldn't really say it at the time because when Chelsea appointed Potter there was this sense of like he's done an amazing job at Brighton and He's he's kind of the vanguard of the new type of British coach, and you know he's sophisticated and he's a thinker, and he does all these clever tactical things that we don't really associate with domestic managers. But his Brighton team were quite patchy, and they they he got he got the um the Chelsea job at a time when he was was very much on the upswing. You know things were doing really well. Moises Caicedo had emerged as one of the best midfielders in the country, and you know they were getting good results and. Teams were going to the to the Amex and and getting swept away by this sort of kind of inventive and intelligent football, but there had been a period I think not that long beforehand when he he'd gone like nine games without a home win and where Brighton hadn't won for ten, and I just wonder whether not I mean I'm fully invested in the Graham Potter story and have been since Ostersons I think he, he seems like a really nice bloke and he he is without question a good coach, but I do wonder whether he is a bit of a kind of tinkerer he does like to kind of he does like to have his tactical impact on games. And I just wonder whether there's a part of his process that is, you know, the experiments will every so often catch fire and something will work for a while. But in between, there's a lot of times when he's kind of twiddling, tweaking and doing all that stuff and it's not really having the desired impact. And it just seems like Chelsea kind of in that that spell now. And I think that got forgotten when he got the job that, he went on quite a lot of runs at Brighton where things weren't great. And because it was Brighton, we kind of ignored it. Because, you know, if Brighton, on a, if Brighton don't win for six games, who really cares? Nobody mm. in the broader well, scheme. The Brighton fans booed Brighton him, of course. Fans. He was booed by the Brighton fans. So, the, that. Yeah, so I, I, just, I just wonder whether th- there is maybe a slight... This is maybe part of the Potter experience more than we kind of gave it credit for at the time and maybe more than Bowley realized yeah I, I also I sort of do wonder as well there's there aren't that many big teams where they change the formation and change the sort of tactical approach game to game a lot I don't think I mean usually they usually I mean City is an obvious counter example to that but still you know the structure no, the, of City, the, the broad, he does the tend to use the same, the same players a lot you know yeah. he's used fewer players than the other teams and maybe Maybe at a big club that um, that just kind of starts annoying people a little bit more than at a smaller club where you're like, well, we have to be clever. Um, you know, Chelsea don't have to, Chelsea shouldn't have to be clever. Um, I wonder though, uh, Rory, if you think Todd Bowley, uh, this is the other thing I was thinking watching that game. I thought, what is Todd Bowley's plan here? This is in the in the week where um, FSG 
um, well, it's reported that FSG want to sell Liverpool, and you know they seem to. You know there was the story, another story. David Ornstein had that. You know Mike Gordon, who's been kind of their their guy on the ground, or well, not well on the ground in Boston, but sort of running the club from their point of view, is now stepping back to focus on selling clubs. So it does look like this is is going to happen. And if they're thinking, yeah, it's time to cash out of this now, you know, maybe uh, maybe we've taken it as far as we can and. You know, they're, they're letting in Saudi Arabia and we didn't get the Super League and, you know, really, what's what's the upside? I can see the downside, but where is the upside come from? So they, they're deciding, apparently, to cash out. Uh, at just the moment that Todd Bowley uh, cashes in, uh, he arrives, <laughs> pays a record sum for the club. They've jacked up the, the interest rates, I think, 3% since he since he came in in May. The Fed rate has gone up by, by 3%. Um, He's all in on the All Star game. That's his, uh, well, uh, you know, what, what do, do you think there is a do you think there is a plan there? What does Todd Bowley know that FSG doesn't know? Well, the word that that people keep coming back to is basically streaming. That appears to be everybody's plan. Like Bumboli said that that he thinks Premier League teams will be, will be worth three times their their current values, or you know they'll all be worth ten billion dollars or whatever when he bought Chelsea. I think he believes that and and. The revenue stream that is untapped is streaming. That they think if they can break clear of the kind of the tyranny of the organised broadcasters and just do it themselves, then that is where the money is. And maybe that's right. But I've got to say, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'll be cast as an FSG loyalist, and to an extent that's probably true. But I'm, I'm not convinced that anyone who's spending four billion. Well, it wasn't four billion, two point five billion dollars, or two. But ri- rising to or... rising to four point two. Well, yeah, but that, according to but that was that was money committed on the stadium and the squad. That's yeah. th- that that was a slightly misleading and to an extent meaningless figure. Yeah. Um, but you know, paying paying a kind of premium fee for a Premier League team, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the smart money. I think the smart money got in earlier. I think FSG were the smart money, or Saudi Arabia and, they... and Newcastle. I mean, they 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 paid three hundred million for Newcastle. Yeah. yeah different you know ambitions for their their investments but i i don't know someone who's if someone pays that much money i i don't know if they're i think you you're basically reliant on someone who wants it as a trophy asset i don't i don't quite see Baldi's projections and the other thing that factored into fsg's decision by all accounts was their expectation and these are people who have made their money in the futures markets that things are about to get worse around the world so they think well now you know, if you if you don't sell now, you probably have to wait another five years or six years or whatever before you can get the same amount of money. That seems to be the logic that FSG have have gone for, and I can't contradict them. So yeah, I don't. It does feel like maybe Bowley bought at just the wrong time. Although having said that, he did it after the pandemic and after the invasion of Ukraine, so maybe he should have seen it coming. Yeah. Um, and I I don't see quite how he gets his his massive return which is what the, ultimately that's what they're all in it for all yeah. of the american investors are in it to make money off football they don't they don't want to they're not building a you know a, they're not sports washing they're not building a, the image of a nation they don't have some ulterior motive they're just there for the cash they want to make money i don't quite see how Bowley does it at this stage but at the same time i'm not a billionaire so maybe he kind of he he sees something that that we mere mortals can't. I like think, Musk. Think, well, well, yeah, it, I, yeah. Well, yeah. Like I mean, I think we we, we all accept now that wealth is a is a proxy for for virtue. I think that's the, the well, way the that society other, is you, now is now constructed. The other thing about it is that he has also it's, it's he can say what he likes. Like the the people he's persuaded are actually Clear Lake Capital who've put in mm. the, who've put in the money too. So he has persuaded them about the 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 possibilities of streaming being being the thing that will multiply. The value of 
of football clubs and of Chelsea in particular. Mm. And yet there's been a lot of talk around streaming and various, you know, they've been talk, clubs have been talking for quite a long time about breaking away from, you know, collective rights and selling the rights themselves, whether it's on their own channels or streaming or whatever. Maybe streaming is the way that that's going to happen as we people get used to watching on Amazon Prime or whatever. But also at, against that, there is a sense, first of all, that we're, you know, people are actually reaching a point how for for however long where they're actually going to be looking at all their all their subscriptions and streaming and thinking I, I we need to have fewer of them because we're entering into a recession mm. and secondly that you know there is now again it's 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 a small snapshot and it may not be uh really revealing of a general population feeling but it probably is you know that sense that actually what most people feel at the moment about how they uh, get their their sport on TV is that they should be getting more for what they're paying. Why? Why, why is it that I'm paying all these subscriptions and can never see the match that I want? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This season has been really pronounced because of the amount of games that have been on Sundays with yeah. the European competition on Thursday and stuff like that. But that is that I is. Wish Owen was here to get into that Premier <laughs> Sports fixture selection. But that is the that is the uh, that's where people that's where people are going in it. Why why are we paying all the money we're paying for now? Not. Actually, what I'd love to be, maybe you would, maybe you'd say, right, I'll just pay, I'll, if I'm just going to be paying uh, Chelsea tenor a game or whatever, it's cheaper than playing, paying Sky, whatever. maybe that's how it works out. So that could be, but it seems like, it, it seems like the kind of forward projection that is very plausible. Yeah. Um, sitting around a, a boardroom table. Sitting around a boardroom table and it could just work. But these guys will also come back looking for their money. So this yeah. is the thing that uh, that he has to deal with, and I agree with Rory. Like I think that the Liverpool numbers are kind of incredible. If they, I like, I think if they can get three billion, a bowly size, I suppose, like you, you'd be crazy. Look, look, look at it's Liverpool. Ten times they're investing three hundred million in the initial. Oh, but, and but also, no, but also, no, they've also no question that like that is a that is a figure that that someone connected to FSG is putting out because that's very much what FSG would like Liverpool. I saw a story over the weekend that like oh. Henry might be John Henry might be pers persuaded to accept a you know cut price bid of two billion, and you think well, that's not a cut price bid. That's that's far closer to Liverpool's actual worth than the insane figures that FSG were putting out, because that's what they'd like to sell it for. Like there are so many variables in the Liverpool valuation. The the key one being how much is someone prepared to pay for it. But but also but also but how how sustainable is it when the, the you look how the club was transformed by Klopp. Yeah, uh, and he was such a key figure in the transformation. Liverpool, Liverpool hadn't been in the uh, in the knockout stages of the Champions League since two thousand nine. Since two thousand nine, since for, for the entirety of FSG's ownership mm. until Klopp came along, and and then because like, there is a kind of curious thing that happens with Liverpool because of the history and the and the their legacy. You assume it's always you, been this. Yeah, right. you assume this is this is another great night, uh, European night at Anfield, and we, we these these are there's a golden thread from 1977 to uh, 2022 or and that's not the case. Yeah. And when you when you look at what Newcastle went for at uh, 300 million, if Liverpool didn't qualify for the Champions League, if Klopp left, mm. you're you're. There are certain there are a number of, of 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 factors where you suddenly think right they're not going to go back down to 300 million. But it's suddenly it's a it's a less attractive club, and there are so mm. many variables there that I think clearly to do it now makes sense and get you know two billion. Rory's probably right; it's probably a more realistic uh, 
price for it. Just to uh, just to wrap up on this, uh, Roy, you've been very good with your time, but what, what is your sense that this uh, sale is actually going to be done sooner rather than later? And also, what's your sense of how John Henry feels about this? Do you think he's a little bit sore at the kind of pearls before swine um, aspect of his <laughs> of his time leading? The, you know, what what more can I do for these? What more can I do for these uh, ungrateful fans? You know, I've 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 given them the tro I've given them club. I've given them a new you know fifteen thousand new seats. I've given them trophy after trophy. I mean, he didn't do that all personally, but you know, he he kind of was in charge of the the setup that made all these a series of pretty good decisions. I would say. And oh, actually, and also, those people, to be fair, rich people didn't get to where they are today by not taking credit for the work of their underlings. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like John Henry will one hundred percent take credit for Liverpool's trophies. Look, you know, he 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 incarnates their their success and stuff. But lots of people are like, yeah, you know, go. We can't, can't wait to see them back here and just want to shake. I saw um I saw someone describe it as um one of the papers describe it as FSG's break even policy holding Liverpool back. And I thought that yeah. that sentence might sum up literally everything that's wrong with football. That. Yeah that some owners who think the club shouldn't be dicing perilously with massive debts are a problem. Yeah, I, I, my, my genuine view, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much a pro FSG. I think FSG are good owners. And I, th I think there is a possibility that they are, they are as good an owner as you will get in, in, in reality. You can dream of kind of fan ownership or, or some uber wealthy kind of, Strauss businessman from L4 who decides that who's you know some billionaire that we've not heard of who decides actually he wants to plow all of their money into um into Liverpool I think well, that's really unlikely I think FSG is probably as good as it gets um and I suspect that whatever comes next will make them look a lot better um my my instinct is that it probably won't happen that quickly. I don't I don't have any information either way. I've seen if there's know, pressure two, though if they if they if they're thinking we'll look you know the next five years are looking as Elon Musk said dire. We're looking. Yeah. It's looking dire, and uh, there, you know. Then, then, you know, what better time to to get it done than while I, the World Cup? Oh, I, I suspect that part of the reason that it's come out, and this isn't for a moment to kind of question David Ornstein's journalism, but is because FSG want it public so that they can see what's out there. They, this is, I think, inspired mainly by the the amount of interest there was in Chelsea that they've realised that the market is hot, and that yeah, now's now's the time to cash in. My instinct is, as far as I know, there's nothing on the table, um, which means you're probably looking at at least six months before anything realistically can happen. The next year, 18 months, maybe, is probably the most likely time frame, um, depending on what happens globally. Uh, whether any of the names that we've seen mentioned, Steve Ballmer, Mukesh Ambani, you know, there's various things. I like the fact that someone linked them to Dubai International Capital the other day, mm. uh, a company that was dissolved three years ago. That seems like a great idea. Um, I, they were considering a $5 billion bid. <laughs> the, um, the, there's not, yeah, there's a lot of kind of smoke, not much fire, I think. Um, is Henry Saw, I suspect that if they get you know, if they got two billion quid on a three hundred million investment, and then a you know, I don't know, maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty million more of their own money that they've put in, um, then I think they'd be Definitely any soreness. Any soreness would probably be uh, would be erased. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think Henry's main takeaway from his involvement with football will be a degree of bafflement. I think he he probably feels that you can do your best for a team and you can make decisions that are that to you in Boston, sort of sitting there cold and, and calculating in a sort of ambivalent rather than negative sense. And that you, that, that you can see on paper are the best things to do for the club, things that make perfect sense on a business perspective. And then you get this furious backlash 
and this complete lack of gratitude, I think he find he probably will find that slightly confusing. But ultimately, you know, you shouldn't. None of us should kind of mistake the the motivations of any of these people. That no, not not one owner of a major Premier League or European team is in it because they love football. There is no. I mean, I you might be able to make the case of like Delia Smith wants to do it for Norwich, but the vast majority, you know, even Matthew Benham and Tony Bloom, they they might support those clubs. But, you know, their motivations are at least partly proving themselves to be incredibly clever. They're not, there's very few, few like purely motivated owners in football. Henry was in it to make a profit and Henry will make a profit if he sells it. So that is kind of, that's his metric by which his, his success will be gauged. Mission accomplished. Uh, Roy Smith, uh, Dion Fanning, thanks a million for talking to us about all that this morning. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Y'all get ready to put y'all up on something, man. Yo. Put some respect, put some respect on my name. I've won five, five World Cups. It's personal between me and I'm going to do you some serious harm, you big stiff idiot. Okay, all right. Who are the people who are going to get together and go, Ooh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo. Are Kante Rudiger going to be like, Ooh. As for the Quetta and Jorginho, like, Ooh. little pack of alpha dogs, like, Ooh. is Mason Mount the senior man? Ooh. Who have we got here? You know, he thinks he's he thinks he's the dogs. He thinks he's all that. Put your respect on my name. You're live on Channel Five. Alright, going one more. Also, they're gonna need ten plumbers to do you when I've got to finish with you. Also, you are getting it. Okay, one final word on Ronaldo. Even though we've both expressed a desire to not talk about Ronaldo, but I I, I think one thing we haven't really talked about is this kind of well-worn trope in modern-day football is that players are now ungovernable. You know, players of this uh, stature are ungovernable. But Mm. Ten Hag has actually managed to sort this out. Now, obviously, not all top-level players are going to handle this as badly as Ronaldo has. But I don't know how successful Ten Hag is going to be as Manchester United manager. But this has been an unqualified success on his part. Yeah. Because it's a really, it's the toughest part of the job in a lot of ways. Like, the, you know, the idea, uh, this, this idea of trying to manage top quality players is, it, it does often look like an impossible task, but he's done it almost perfectly, I would say. Well, I think the main thing Ten Hag has done actually has nothing to do with Ronaldo. And simply it is that he's getting good performances out of players and the team is clearly playing better than it has been for some time. You know, look at, say, Rashford and how he's kind of um, resurgent. Bruno Fernandes is playing much better than he did last season. Eriksen has been added to the team, I think, has been really good. Uh, you know, D- Dallow, like, Dallow has, has been like almost the, the he's he's one of the players with the most minutes in the entire Team mm. after kind of, Haaland probably player of the year. He's just kind of eased Maguire out, you know. Uh, yeah, again, like again, another example, I suppose. Just like, yeah, thanks, Harry, but um, you know, we're gonna go, we're gonna go another direction. Um, so, uh, and and obviously, Anthony has has made a decent start as well. So you've got like a lot of things which are starting to go well for United in this, and a feeling that oh, you know, and and then of course. Wins against uh, Liverpool, against Arsenal, Man City. Maybe not the, you know, mm. wasn't wasn't great, but um, 
there's been a lot for them to sort of feel good about. This has been after a couple of really bad years, really. I don't know if it was the second place in the 2021, but like, you know, it wasn't really... That, that was a season in which they still got smashed by Tottenham at the very big. You know, remember the yeah. six? The, 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 I don't think anyone ever really felt, yeah, this is going on. And obviously it culminated in that awful Europa League um, final defeat. So for a long time, it's kind of felt like this. Now it sort of feels like, yeah, maybe we're getting somewhere. You know, maybe we're maybe something is coming together. Even here. watching Arteta at Arsenal is kind of, okay, so the guy in charge has an idea. Now, how good the idea is, we don't know. How good this guy, how good the manager actually is, we don't know. But you but couldn't feel a, that. You couldn't no. feel that with either Solskjaer or Mourinho. But with Solskjaer, it was like, he doesn't really have an idea, does yeah. he? Like, it's kind this of... This is just vibes. And with Mourinho, it's it's just all, it's just Jose doing his mm. doing his thing. And, and it's all kind of, it's all bullshit at the end of the day. So you never, you're, you're not building anything. Whereas in, with this, it's different. And then, you know, players like Garnacho coming in and suddenly um, showing that they can maybe... We have players we didn't even realize we had, you know that kind of. Mm. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. Like and um, and then Ronaldo just just whinging about everything is just well, sorry, but you haven't really. You're, <laughs> don't you understand? We're all we're all pleased about how things are going. So he's just clashing horribly with the prevailing mood, and which is why I think no one's really. I mean, obviously there are there are like there are like millions of Ronaldo bots or whatever who are who are always going to be on. Mm. His side. I mean, that's yeah. That seems to be just a feature of <laughs> the way things are now. They're just super celebrities mm. who have, but like every everyone who's remotely um, interested Tuned into this, yeah, yeah in, or, in or, or, or or cares about how much the United do, um, can see. Yeah, I mean, this is all this is all history now. It's all over, and this is just kind of embarrassing for everybody. And actually, ultimately, it's, it's embarrassing most of all for Nalo himself because it's bad that like this is going to be the end of his. The, the end of how things are at Manchester United because they love Ronaldo. Like, yeah. they loved him. You know, he used to sing his name when he was playing for Real Madrid. Remember when he when he went back there, he, he went back there to knock them out with Real Madrid in, the, in Ferguson's mm. last season and they were singing his name. You know, um, yeah. and so I, and like, you know, they'll be saying grim. his name in, in five or ten years' time as well. It's yeah, just, it's well, just, it's just a yeah, they will because everyone will forget Pointless, this, like, ridiculous know. coda to his career. It is. Know? It's pretty sad. Mm. So, that's pretty much it. World Cup build-up is going to be huge all week. There's also Ireland against a, unfortunately, Haaland-less Norway on Thursday night. So if yeah, you're not... Yeah, did you see that? Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Disrespect he being it. shown. He bottled it. <laughs> well, because what's it all about for these guys at the end of the day? Well, no. he, saw, he saw what Collins did to ja- uh, Jackie Grealish and just decided, oh, don't fancy that. Collins got a real good look at the Premier League from, from a good vantage point down near the bottom there. Mm. He can see the whole field ahead of him. <laughs> he can. Just like he, just like he could see the whole Ukraine team ahead of him that night yeah. at Woodge. And you he, know? he made mincemeat of him. He can, plot, he can plot a course through there. So, you know, it's all about goals per game, yeah. average for these guys. And Haaland just thought, you know what? I think I might sit that one yeah, out. You know, I know when I can pad my numbers. Ireland, and they say it. Ireland away on a Ireland away on a Thursday. That doesn't look to me like uh, I'm going to do push cash numbers there. <laughs> so maybe I'll uh, just judiciously make myself yeah. available for the second of the two matches. Mm. Wolves bottom at Christmas, but no need to panic just yet. Okay, the only way is up. Uh, thank you very much, Ken. Thank you very much, Kieran. And of course, this is your regular reminder that Second Captains is part of the Acast Creator Network. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. 
it's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 